Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today, I interviewed Rena Reiser, who is a mind, body, and compassion coach, writer, educator, speaker, and the hostess of her own podcast called the Tune In Podcast. Now, most of my followers probably know this, but if you don't know this, Rena is the one that really introduced me and taught me about intuitive eating, and I owe her so much. And um, I was really excited to have her on the podcast, and we had such a great conversation about intuitive eating, and I just love talking to her, and I really hope you enjoy. She also has a podcast, as I said, called the Tune In Podcast, so check that out. And um, I hope you enjoy the show. If you want to hear more episodes, please subscribe to the podcast, Get Into It With Gila, as well as the YouTube channel. And make sure to follow me on Instagram at gila.glassberg.intuitiverd. If you're looking to make peace with food and learn the principles of intuitive eating and self-care, please visit my website, www.gilaglassberg.com, and apply for a free 20-minute consultation where we can get to know each other and see if we're a good fit. I really look forward to hearing from you and have a great day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today, I have Rena Reiser. Hi, Rena. Hi, Gila. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm so excited. Um, I want you to introduce yourself, but I also just want to say that Rena was the one that taught me about intuitive eating and introduced me to intuitive eating. So, um, yeah, I just have a lot of hakaras atov, and I'm so happy to finally have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. And I'm also really, I'm grateful that I was able to help you with intuitive eating and bring it to your life. Yes, it's definitely changed my entire life and my entire career and my entire daily living. So thank you so much. So can you tell the listeners, like, what, what do you do? Where do you live? Okay, so, so yeah, so I, I'm, um, I'm a something. <laughs> I know I should cool. That's really cool. <laughs> Really, I'm a person. I'm a, I'm a Jewish woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I I work as a, as an intuitive eating counselor, as a coach. My work has shifted mostly away from intuitive eating into other work, which I have of yet to define exactly what that is. Which is why mm-hmm. I started off by saying I'm a something because mm-hmm. I still don't know what that thing is, what to call myself. But anyway, it's uh, we'll, we'll get into that discussion about what that what that's become. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Israel in a beautiful city in the north called Carmiel. And we've been living here for 
um, almost eight and a half years in Carmiel. Before that, you were Shalayim, and I'm originally from Toronto. That's me wow. in a very small nutshell. Okay, awesome. So you so you mentioned that you were, you're shifting away primarily from intuitive eating. So let's start with how did you how did you like what was your first career? Was it always intuitive eating? Like where did you start? I was actually a programmer before I became a coach. What's a programmer? Um, I, so I built I used to build websites. So mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, so you like you made them all pretty. No, I don't know how to make websites pretty. I, mean, I could learn it just like anyone can learn any skill, but I never learned that. I learned how to like, let's say there's a button that's on the website and you click on that button and it takes you to a new page. So I made that button work. Like someone else would make that button look pretty. I made the button work. So I made all the behind the scenes happen on the websites. See, I, I just like can't even fathom how you do that because you know, like I really struggle with technology. So like, I just can't even, like I can't understand how somebody's brain can work like that. Like, honestly, it's really cool. Well, for me, it's like, it fits in so perfectly with my very black and white mathematical brain where everything fits like so beautifully into a formula. So, mm-hmm. so do websites. They're like, they're so predictable. I'm like people that are less predictable because mm-hmm. <laughs> we have emotions and like websites either work or they don't, you know, there's right. like, there's no in between they're black or white. So right. if there's a bug in a website, then you find the bug and you fix it and everything, you know, everything works again. But with people, there's so many, so many layers and mm-hmm. so many reasons why we act the way that we act. So for a very long time, I appreciated the black and whiteness of programming and how predictable it was. Um, it just felt, it felt a lot safer. Mm-hmm. So th- is that what you saw yourself doing? Like when you were in high school, like you saw yourself doing something with computers or accounting or something very mathematical? I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. Nothing sounded exciting to me. There was a, an element of any sort of programming, you mentioned accounting, any of that type of stuff that the, the intellectual side of it was very appealing to me, but the sitting in front of a computer all day was much less appealing. I knew that I liked people. I don't want anyone to think that I, like, I only like the black and white of computers and I do not like humans, but, um, but there was, I, I knew that I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the black, I didn't know how to find the balance between like what does that look like to still be able to use those skills that I have, but yet still interact with people. So I actually once took, um, I took one of those like online career tests and what came out was that I was supposed to be a farmer. Wow. Yeah. Well, you could do that in Israel. I could do that in Israel and believe me, it's a, it's a, it's a mini dream of ours. So maybe one day it'll come true. Wow. That's so cool. Um, were you, were you a good student in high school? Like if you wanted to be an accountant or you wanted to be like, I don't know, something harder than like, I would never be able to be an accountant, but I wasn't like a strong student. Well, the, the subjects that I really, really liked and that I naturally excelled at. So I did really well in them. So math always came very easy to me. Science for the most part came very, very easy to me. But at the same time, I was like flunking out of history class. And just because Mm -hmm. I had the nicest teacher in the entire universe, she passed me, but I couldn't remember dates for the life of me. And like small little details of historical facts flew completely over my head. So I, so my report card looked, you know, I had like A's in certain things and barely passing in in other subjects. Mm -hmm. So I probably could have become an accountant if I would have wanted to, because I excelled in all the areas that you would need for accounting. So it's so interesting because like my husband's really good at history because he just has like an excellent, excellent memory. And I also like did horribly in like those subjects, 
but I was, I mean, I wasn't great at math, but I was like of my, of my good subjects, I was good at math, but it's interesting because once you get like the formula, you just continue to apply it. You don't have to memorize like a million different things. Right. Right. And actually the, the, the worst grade I ever got in any math subject in high school was, um, was when we had a teacher who taught us, taught us the formulas. Like she just gave us, she, she gave us all these like tricks for trying to memorize formulas and that didn't work for my brain. I was like, right. I can't remember, like teach me the logic behind it right. and then I'll be able right. to maintain it and be able to work with this. But if you just tell me what to do, it's like, my brain doesn't work that way. So, yeah. So, okay, so we're, I still don't understand how we go from what it's called programmer to intuitive eating coach. So how did you do that? So, well, like I mentioned that I, I always liked being with people and sitting behind a computer all day left me feeling empty. It really mm-hmm. did. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I liked building websites for, um, for like small businesses, especially other, other moms, you know, who, who wanted to have like an, uh, an online presence for their, for their businesses. And it felt really good to me to be contributing to the world in that way. But still it felt like for me, it wasn't fulfilling enough. I still felt like I needed to be doing more. And my journey to intuitive eating was kind of backwards from, I think how a lot of people end up there for me, it was, um, it was always the friend that my friend, that people turn to for advice on how to cook healthily and you know, have more vegetables and do things more easily in the kitchen. Um, And when I realized that I could actually get paid to do that type of work, that's when I was like, huh, wait, I didn't even know that was a possibility. Like, I love talking about healthy eating and, you know, ways of making it easier. And so that's when I, I first became a health coach. And I started with that. And then Shortly as I, um, as I got my first few clients, it happened really quickly that I would work with a client on trying to just, again, like I wasn't giving anybody diet plans. I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to just help them like just have healthier food in their homes. And I kept seeing like the same pattern again and again, that clients would do really well, quote unquote, with like staying and eating healthy food until something would happen in their life that would be stressful. And then all the healthy eating would just go out the window and they didn't know how to deal with their emotions. And they were left with like finding themselves binging on all kinds of foods that they didn't want to be eating. And I would try to help them, you know, just based on whatever little bit I knew about emotions and life, which wasn't much to be honest at that Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Um, but I saw that I needed to be doing more and there was a lot of resistance with them also. Like they just wanted me to tell them, just tell me what to eat. Like, I don't want to talk about my emotions. I don't want to talk about that stuff. And I was like, but this is like, obviously getting in the way. Like, this is obviously what's like holding you back from being able to make the healthy choices that you want to be making. And so. But did it, did it like parallel at all with your own life? Did you find that you were binging or that you were also like not paying attention to the emotional part or not really like you, it was separate from your clients. It's hard to remember exactly like what, what happened when, you know, like where exactly my journey paralleled my clients. I would say that like, oftentimes I think when, whenever we're doing any of this work, we're oftentimes like just a step or two ahead of our clients. So mm-hmm. if I think back to that time period in my life, I know that I was like just starting to learn about this whole emotional world. And I'd already started to work on 
healing my own relationship with myself and my inner critic and all that, like I'd started on that process. And so, um, I had come to a much better place already, but I was still struggling. I mean, I'm still struggling, but how did you know? Okay. So hold on. How did you find out about like all that inner work, like the inner critic and like, how did you like learn? I don't know. I, when I was exposed to that world, I was like, Whoa, like underground world that I never knew about. Right. Right. So I was taking different courses and, and people mentioned in different courses. I also saw that there were, there were some courses that I was taking that were much more like, um, like technical, like I, I took a course on like how to keep home. Cause mm-hmm. I had no idea how to run a home effectively, but just like in terms of laundry and dishes and bills and all that stuff. So I took a course on that and I found myself just That's getting really stuck. Cool. Like, That's so cool. But I found myself mm-hmm. getting stuck. Like I, I knew what to do, but there was all this, like all this resistance to putting mm-hmm. into action and making it work. And so there was a lot of like internal work going on alongside. So, but to say exactly what happened when, I don't know. I definitely, my relationship with, with food definitely at some point took a tremendous plunge down very deep, very dark mm-hmm. for, for Bar Hashem, you know, thank God a short amount of time. Um, but, but I was already like, it wasn't like I only worked on my relationship with food. And then all of a sudden I developed all these emotional, emotional skills and, and mm-hmm. tools. I was already working on my emotional well-being when I also started working on my relationship with food and was also working with clients and like, again, was maybe like a step or so ahead of them when I started. Mm -hmm. And so I just hopefully continue to keep growing and continue to, um, continue to keep working on myself. So, Um, so just to, sorry, just to parallel it with like, let's say your client struggling with eating healthy, knowing what to eat, but still not being able to. And then let's say, let's say with the, um, setting up a home, right? So you were like, okay, now I have the information, that's the tools, but I can't get myself to do it. So like you kind of saw like the parallel there, like what what happens when we know what to do, but we just aren't doing it? Very much so, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then-, then So you... yeah, so then, so I, I found out about intuitive eating as a concept before I really knew what intuitive eating was, but just by hearing the words intuitive eating, there was something about that that like, it really resonated with me, really made a lot of sense. Like, again, even though I didn't understand the 10 principles, it was still like, yes, this is what I want. I want to go do this. And so I just jumped in head first. Do you remember how like, you heard of it? Like somebody told you about it or you read about it? So I, so I first trained as a health coach and I was mm-hmm. following all these different health coaches, getting all their emails and everything. And so many of them were talking about sugar detoxes and yeah. a lot of, you know, cutting out like certain food groups and things like that. And then there was, there were a couple women, I think that I followed who had a more truly holistic approach to, to eating, which, and, and some of them mentioned intuitive eating. I remember one in particular who mentioned it. And um, I reached out to her and asked her like, I love the sound of this intuitive eating thing. Tell me more about it. Where can I find out more information? And I'd even, I remember I'd even looked on Amazon, looking at different books on intuitive eating And I remember seeing the original intuitive eating book and being like, that cannot be it. It's like, it's so boring looking like the cover is like, I don't know. It's just like, I remember my reaction being like, that must not be the book she's referring to. She must be referring to something else. So I emailed her and asked her for a recommendation of where to start learning about it. And she's like, here's a good place to start. And she linked that book. And I was like, this book has all that wealth in it. Like, it just like, it didn't match up for me. 
Um, but I started, I got the book and I started, um, I started going through it. I signed up to work with, to, to train under Evelyn. I was just like, I am just jumping straight in. Like this thing just makes, I didn't understand what it was. I didn't understand all the nuances, but I was like, this makes sense. And I just jumped in and started training with her. And your goal was always to use that with your clients. Well, cause I already saw that like there was, I understood that intuitive eating was a way to like, to teach you how to stop using food mm-hmm. emotionally. Right. And that was like the one thing that I kept seeing with my clients. And I also saw with myself, again, my relationship with food was not perfect. And I saw that that was an area that I could also work on. So that was like the missing link. Like, like we know what to eat, but like, we're just not doing it. So what's, what's missing. Yeah. So then you started using that with your clients, intuitive eating. Just jumped right in. Mm -hmm. So did you feel like there was a lot of pushback when you started like telling people, I mean, I know for me there was, so like, were you like, when you started introducing it to other people, were they like, no, this doesn't make sense. Like I can't quote unquote eat whatever I want. Like, did you hear that a lot? That only really came later for me when I was working with clients, because I think when I first got started, I was, first of all, I never, I never looked at intuitive eating as eat whatever you want. Right. I looked at it as like, what does your body do? Right. which it isn't for right. me. It was like from the beginning, I remember like with my first group of, of women that I worked with where I was brand new trained in it and into eating. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being like, what does your body want? Like, what does that feel like in your body? Like, those are the questions I kept asking over and over and over again. And when you ask yourself those questions, it's not eat whatever you feel like eating. It's right. when your body's what your body really wants is to eat healthy, nourishing food most of the time. Right. right. And so that was like, that was pretty clear. I think from the women from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And, so, and only later, once I think I started like bridge, um, branching out and, and marketing a lot more and advertising in a lot more places that I start getting those questions that, um, honestly bother me a lot. Yeah. yeah. You're, I think that you're the first one that brought like intuitive eating to the firm world, right? Before you, do you know of anyone so, else? So there were a couple of people that were doing it already before in their cities, like where, mm-hmm. where they live locally. Um, but it was the first one, I guess, to bring it to the global firm world. So when you started, let's say, I know you wrote for Mishpacha, right? When you wrote for Jewish I was, publication. Uh, I, I advertised the Mishpacha. I was interviewed for a bunch of different articles in the major magazines. Mishpacha had um, something. Um, Wellsprings had something on me. Um, I, for a while, I was writing for the Jewish press and for the Voice of Lakewood. I had like a monthly article in each place for about a year, year and a half. Um, like a year in Jewish press and a year and a half um, at the voice of Lakewood. So, yeah. So do you, when you would write for those places, do you feel like it was well-received like in the firm community or did you feel like the people who were reading it were like still pushing back, like still saying like, no, like this isn't the right way. Or like, did you feel like that was how it was received? I, I thought it was received very well. I got some of my favorite clients from those articles that I wrote. So it was very well received. Got it. And I still get feedback now. People will tell me like, I used to, I loved your articles when you wrote, they were so wonderful, which is nice to hear that they really made an impact on people. So what do you see like as a common theme in like your, your clients, the one who, the ones who like are true to the intuitive eating method, not people who are calling you for weight loss and don't really understand. Do you see like a pattern? Um, you know, there's different women who come who ends up being my clients, but I would say that like the, the woman that I love working with is the woman who who really recognizes that she feels disconnected from her body and mm-hmm. she wants to regain that connection, whether it's with food or with other things in her life. 
Um, but in general, you know, it's, it's showing up as emotional eating, as um, just, just not, you know, not, I don't like to say it like this, but like not being able to quote unquote stick to the, to healthy eating, which mm-hmm. when you say it like that, it sounds like this rigid thing, but right. just more in a way of like, come on, we know what feels good in our bodies for the most part, that's going to look like healthy, nourishing food, you know, with, with some fun food built in, but um, for the most part, like that's, that's how we want to be eating. And um, for a lot of people, it's hard. It's hard to just like the food feels out of control, you know, it feels like it's just this chaotic, like um, disconnected experience. Right. Do you see like a common theme, like when people really can't, they can't um, nourish their body in like a healthy way? Like, do you see like trauma or like chronic dieting or things that come up that like, it would make sense that they would like disembody from their body? So I would say that most people today are walking around with trauma of some mm-hmm. sort. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a major life trauma, but most people today are walking around with some sort of trauma to some degree. And so it's for sure going to make an impact on our life. And right. for many people, it's going to impact food. Right. So for sure. Got it. So, so we were saying in the beginning that you're, that you're kind of like veering away from intuitive eating as your main thing. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like why you made that decision? Um, why did I make that decision? It kind of happened organically where I felt like there was, I felt like from the beginning of it, what I really wanted to help women with was to help them reconnect to their bodies. And I would talk about intuitive eating and they would hear eating, mm-hmm. not intuitive. Like there was this, like this disconnect almost where intuitive became this impulsive response as opposed to this when we're truly being intuitive, then we're slowing down and we're really listening to the messages that our bodies are giving us. Like our bodies are talking to us on a constant basis throughout the day. And, you know, people are like, no, my body's not talking. My, myself is talking. We're one in the same, right? Our bodies, ourselves, um, our nervous systems are always communicating and talking to us throughout the day. And we don't, we don't hear it because we don't slow down enough to be able to just really listen and hear what it's saying to us. And I think what it comes down to it is like, you can have the intellectual understanding of intuitive eating. You can understand the 10 principles intellectually, you can get it cognitively, but until you work on that part of really truly listening, being able to listen to what your body's telling you, right? We can call that intuitive eating. It's mentioned, it's called interceptive awareness. It could also be by listening to our, what's called our felt sense, right? Our intuition, just listening to our body, right? These are all um, synonyms of the same type of idea that when we can really connect to ourselves, then once we can take all that intellectual knowledge and actually bring it down to fruition. And we, we know that the greatest distance is from our heads to our hearts, right? We can know so much, but how do we actually put it into action? Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we bridge that gap? And so much of it comes from just being able to truly listen, right? Once we, once we have the knowledge then we need to listen to our bodies and, and learn how to put it into action in a way that feels right for me, because that's going to look different for every single person. And so for me, like a major, a major part of my work is, is helping women with that now learning how to reconnect to themselves. Right. So you're saying like intuitive eating is just one 
eating, even let's say eating is just one part where we disconnect from our body. So intuitive eating is like a, is one tool, how our eating could be more aligned with like how we feel physically Mm -hmm. or emotionally. Mm -hmm. But then there's like all these other avenues or tools that we could tap into that help us in general, listen to what our body's telling us. And do you think that like, like intuitive, like if you only focus on intuitive eating, you miss the bigger picture? For sure. I think for most of my clients, especially it doesn't happen as much in groups because there were, you know, we're, we're focused more on eating, but when I work with a client one-on-one for an extended period of time, like a client who signs up for my six month package usually starts off with us talking about food for the first few sessions. Mm -hmm. And after a few sessions, it becomes very, very clear that there's, we might talk about their marriage or their dating. If they're single, Mm -hmm. we might Mm -hmm. talk about their kids or their relationship with their mothers, all this stuff comes out because it's never just about the food. And this is just, this is just a metaphor. And that was clear to me from the beginning because I saw in my own life, food was just one of the many things that I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. Right. There are a lot of areas I mentioned the, like, just like the basic housework that I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so being able to see that, like each of these things is really just a metaphor and a, and a, and a pathway for healing for so many things that we all go through in our lives. Um, we can, we can work on, we could just focus on the food and we can work on it and we can come to amazing places with it. We can also look at the bigger picture and see what else is going on in our lives that is calling for us to heal and to, um, and to heal. Yeah. So I know you said in the beginning, like, you're not sure exactly what, what you want to call yourself, but like, I guess just for the purpose of this podcast, um, where do you, like, what do you see yourself doing like in the next year or five years or like what your program is going to look like? Um, it's a good question. I don't know. I have a very hard time with these like long-term goal things, like long-term visioning. Um, I tend to take creative. life. Because you know. hmm? you're a creative. It's, say more about that. What do you mean? Because like creatives like have a harder time like with the like the long-term planning. It's like you have like inspiration and you want to go with it. No, that's so interesting. I never thought, I don't know. You're teaching me something new. I never thought about it that way. I, I mean, first I, all, until, you know, until like do you think a you're couple a creative? What's that? Do you think you're a creative? Oh yeah. So until a couple of years ago, I would have said, no way, I'm not creative. That's something new that I actually think of myself as a creative person. I never mm-hmm. thought I was creative. I thought I was this boring mathematician, you know, but like now I see there's this whole other side to myself. And so it's interesting what you're saying that, that I can't think beyond, you know, six months from now, let alone like a year or mm-hmm. five years. Um, but I would say that one of the things I really, really want to be doing is I want to teach um, other, I want to teach other therapists, coaches, um, how to help other, how to help their clients connect to their bodies. I want to give them the skills to be able to pass that on because I see that it's a, a piece that's critically missing from so much of the work. It's not really spoken about enough. And I, I feel right. very passionate about that. I want to help other people do that. So that, that's one direction I see myself going in. Mm-hmm. I love that because I like, I know, I mean, I love intuitive eating and it's definitely changed like everything about my life really, because just because I'm a you know registered dietitian. So just to have this other training to really understand like what's going on and how to teach other people like I, I just, that was a missing link, a really big missing link. Yeah. Um, but I guess like through a few years of doing it myself and using it with my clients, there is, I, we always talk about this, like that missing link, like, because eating is so important, but it's really only one aspect of your life. Like you can't, yeah. can't just focus on that one 
uh, you know, aspect of healing. There has to be like a more general ability to see the whole picture. Exactly. Right. So that's what you're doing. That's where I, that's where I want to go. Not there yet. Right right now. I mean, I do work with the occasional coach and therapist, but most of my Mm -hmm. clients are for lack of a better word, just regular, regular people. Right. But yeah, that's one thing. That's one area I really want to go to. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I think that's such a good idea. I think that like, we've talked about this before, but like, and Evelyn Tribble, you know, she always says that like the best learning is like experiential learning. Like when you feel something in your body, like, you know, the principle making peace with food. And so many people say like, oh, that will never happen to me. Like I'll never make peace with pizza or ice cream. If I ever eat it, if I ever eat one bite, I'll eat the whole pint or I'll eat the whole piece, like pizza pie. And I'm like, then they come back when, when they've gone through like making peace with food and they're like, I can't believe it. I had like a bowl and I was done, you know? And I'm like, right. right that's the best way to learn. Cause like you actually yep. felt it in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So thanks so much for joining us. And if, is there anything you want to like leave the listeners with, where can we find you? Where can we see more of you? What do I want to leave the listeners with? I'm very official, um, you know? um I mean the one thing that's coming to mind is that how important it is to recognize the progress that you've made and see that you know if I would have like if I would have seen myself let's say a decade ago where I am now today I would have left and been like yeah right that's not possible similar to what you just said Mm -hmm. but at every step along the way if I would have like recorded where I got up to so to speak right and taken a look back and reflected how far I've come, I would have seen how much progress they made. And mm-hmm. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for the progress that we've made in life. And so, you know, some when especially when you're like you're in the middle of something and you're on a journey, it's really hard to see how far you've come. But if you, as you're going along, like if you're actively working on your relationship with food, write down notes for yourself, like write down small wins for yourself that happened that day, even if it's the smallest little thing, because you'll see that as time goes on, you'll look back at those wins and you'll be like, that was a win then that just comes naturally to me now. Like I'm I'm already past that. I've already moved beyond that. And you'll see how far you've come when you can, when you write it out for yourself that way and just keep a, keep a record. And it's interesting because as I was saying this, I was thinking that so many people are used to keeping records of their weight, you know, how much weight they've lost and, Mm. and, and the foods that they've eaten. And what a beautiful act of self-compassion to shift away from recording the food that you've eaten and how much weight you've lost to recording how much progress you've made with reconnecting to yourself and learning to retrust yourself when it comes to food and, and other things in life. So that's beautiful. Um, yeah, that's really beautiful. It reminds me of like what, like the, like parallel Brownwood's method, like to write down three victories a day. And like, she learned that from Miriam Adahan, who like when I, when I, did some of her read some of her books or listened to some of her courses she says like it should be the smallest thing like even if you say have like a little more kavana when you're saying like Asher Yatsar, or like you're about to scream at your child and like you wait five seconds you know and I think that that's the same thing here with anything intuitive eating or anything that you're working on like it's funny because when you were saying that it made me think of like when I first started which was like maybe three or four years ago and we we had just met and I mean, we never met in person, but when we met over, the, you know, we were yeah. supposed to meet right. twice in person, right? right. <laughs> or hopefully, three times, or I don't know. Hopefully one soon, one day. Um, 
like I remember do you, do you remember this like I I think I did some of your coaching like I helped with one of like the coaching calls or whatever and mm-hmm. I was like I'm so scared I can't like I was so nervous and like or like anytime I had to public speak I was like I can't I can never do it you know and like now like not that I, I still got really nervous but like thank god like I look back on that and like I'm able to do it now you know like I'm not asking myself like oh I can never do that or like how will I ever do that you know so I think that that, I just see that a lot with I don't I don't just mean my clients I mean like also my friends or just the people in my life like we're so quick to despair understandably but like I guess that's how we're naturally wired you know because that's what most people do but like it's so true right it's so true like Mm -hmm. We worked so hard on ourselves and like, even like you were taking a, a course to like set up your home, you know, like you wanted, like you were working so hard to like do what's best for you and your family. Like we worked so hard and like, we're so hard on ourselves, you know, if we could just right. like notice what we're doing and how far we are coming and how far we've come, like, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We can turn our inner critic really into our best helper really right. ultimately. Right. Yeah. So where can people find you? So you can find me on my website at renariser.com. Mm-hmm. I also have a podcast. It's called Tune In with Rena Riser. And you can find that on any of your favorite uh, podcast apps, or you can go to renariser.com forward slash podcast. You can find all my episodes there. Um, I love yeah. your podcast. Thanks. And Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I post occasionally. Can't say I'm Rena very Greenerizer yes. on Instagram, also on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay, great. Facebook, not really. I found you on LinkedIn, so let's give it a plug. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, wow. be- before my Instagram days, so. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.